Welcome to Nudge Talk Asia, behavioral science insights that improve business and lives. Here's your host, Paolo Mercado. Welcome back to another episode of Nudge Talk Asia from Ogilvy Consulting, bringing you behavioral insights that improve business and lives. I'm Paolo Mercado, Vice President of Behavioral Science at Ogilvy Consulting. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Severine Bolion, Global Brand Vice President for Lux, about everyday sexism, a problematic behavior that many women all over the world are subjected to. As a brand that champions women's self-confidence, Lux has taken up the challenge to fight everyday sexism head-on, whether it be at work, at home, or in society in general. As the global lead for Lux, Severine oversees all aspects of the business, from marketing to innovation. She has been recognized as one of Unilever's most progressive leaders and is pivotal for transforming Lux into one of the world's most used and best-loved beauty brands. She is a creative pioneer with over two decades of global experience. Under her leadership, Lux has received significant recognition encompassing numerous creative, effectiveness, and innovation awards. Welcome, Severine, to Nudge Talk Asia. Thanks for having me. Yes. Severine, everyday sexism, that's a term that not many people are familiar with. Could you let us know exactly what that means? Of course. Everyday sexism is the experience of sexist comments, behaviors, and treatment that has been normalized. Sexism relies on gender stereotypes and power dynamics, and it can affect any gender, but usually it's really condescending of women. And this sexism can be hostile, but it can also be benevolent. A seemingly appreciative dynamic in which men are characterized as chivalrous, while women can be cast as weak and dependent and can involve unsolicited compliments or positive sounding microaggressions about women's bodies, physical appearance, abilities, and lifestyle. And that's sexism, the more benevolent sexism, less blatant one that we see as quite insidious and pervasive and that we help fight. That's a very fascinating take on the subject of sexism, because when I hear the term sexism, I associate it with the previous form that you spoke about, the aggressive, the negative form of it. But now you speak of this other area of benevolent sexism that may seem like a compliment or may seem like a well-intended action or words that people may say, but actually it's not received in a good way. Or in fact, overall, it may not be benevolent at all. That's exactly the problem because while some experiences of everyday sexism can feel smaller or less consequential, it can still lead women to adjust their behavior, to self-edit their expression, to limit themselves, often without even knowing that they're doing it because being faced with constant judgments and microaggression has been part of their daily life. So could you give an example or two of what seemingly is an inconsequential form that we should not let pass? So let me give you an example, for instance, of something when a woman joins a particular team. Glad to have a woman finally join the team. We were pretty miserable at communication around the office. So this implies that the only good thing that women are useful for is communication. And so it seems like a compliment, but in fact, it's it builds on stereotypes of what women are good or not good at. 
Right. And it also boxes the person into a very contained role in that organization. That's fascinating. How prevalent is this problem? When we spoke before the show, you talked about the study that the brand had done. Yes, absolutely. We indeed asked ourselves how prevalent this was, and that's why we did a large study with Nielsen back in 2020 across six different countries and with 3,500 women from different age groups and socioeconomic backgrounds. And the study was touching on a broad range of issues that women face from sexual harassment, discrimination in regards to pay, career progression, access to education, the pressure they can face to juggle multiple roles and how that impacts their career and education prospects, as well as the judgments they face on a regular basis. And what we found in this study is that even in this supposedly post-Me Too era, everyday sexism remains very prevalent. We actually find that 56% of respondents declared having been judged for expressing themselves differently from what society expects of them as a woman. And we also found that 70% of these judgments were related to their appearance. More worryingly, one in two women uh, said that it affected their confidence. More than one in three ended up questioning themselves and whether they should have done things differently. And this is something that's concerning because if women don't feel confident, if they can't express themselves the way they are, if they start having self-doubt, that really limits their potential in the workplace, but also in other aspects of life. And as a brand that's been really all about instilling confidence in women through beauty since 1925, as you just said earlier, this was something that we felt very important to start tackling. And really, we felt we could help change things by leveraging our scale and reach to tackle this topic. Those are very surprising information that your study revealed. So 56% of women experience some form of casual sexism, whether negative or the benevolent sexism that actually is, is received as a put down or a limiter. So that's 56%. And then about 70%, it's always see this as related to their appearance, not to their performance, not to any other personality dimension, but really clearly about their appearance. And then Half of women feel that it affects their confidence and a third of women adjust their behavior based on that feedback that they're getting. That's extremely significant. 30% of women who experience everyday sexism adjust how they behave because of that experience. So I'd like to ask another question. Are men the most guilty party of everyday sexism? Are we the main culprits in subjecting women to everyday sexism? Actually, no. Men and women equally responsible because this behavior is often very culturally ingrained and people don't realize that they're doing it. And perpetrating some of these behaviors over time. So actually, a lot of women will tell you that they get a lot of these judgments from their family, uh, often their mother, mother-in-law, sisters, etc., or even from their friends, their closest friends. So a lot of these judgments actually come from people closest to you and not necessarily only men. So it sounds like if I were to link it to one of the behavioral science principles, it sounds like it's a very active and live example of social norming at work. 
that when there is a perceived cultural social norm, and when a woman behaves slightly differently from that norm, then the action of the group that she's with, whether it's her family or her friends or strangers she doesn't know or the workplace, then push her with these comments to behave according to the norm, whether the norm is fair to women or not. So that's the observation I'm making on this. Now, changing social norms at a cultural and social level is very tough. And that would take a lot of effort in terms of building societal change. Well, one of the things that I found very fascinating, what the brand is doing, is while it addresses this everyday sexism from a societal point of view, there is also a very clear focus on the workplace. Because in the workplace, that is a more, I would say, managed organizational culture that the people in charge or the management and the stakeholders of a company can control. It's hard for us to control society at large, but we can control the smaller societies and environments that we work in. So what has been your learnings or perhaps initiatives or programs around everyday sexism specific to the workplace? So I think with 26% of judgments coming from the workplace, from colleagues or bosses, we felt that this was an area where we could try and influence. And this is why we have developed the Lux Allies program. This program is brand new, so it's not like we have a lot of experience around the effects of it yet. But we felt, as you pointed out, that if we try to do something in the workplace, we have probably more chances of having an impact or at least uh, make an impact slightly faster than trying to influence society at large. And so what this uh, Lux Allies program is, is basically an e-training module that we have developed to give women and men the tools really to call out and stop bad behavior in the workplace. And we've developed this course with diversity, equity and inclusion, behavior change expert to really counter sexism in the workplace. And we've built it around real life situations that people that we've interviewed have recounted to us. So these are real life experiences that we explore in this training module. And one thing to note is that this module was developed specifically for emerging markets where patriarchal values and more traditional mindsets about gender are, are more entrenched in society and therefore also in, in the workplace. The way we've done that is that we've structured this program around three key pillars, aware, act and ally. And through small video scenarios, it really confronts participants with everyday scenes of the workplace where women may face some sexist remarks from colleagues, whether male or female, and it gives yet uh, simple but effective actions to call out these belittling comments. And it helps to equip these uh, participants to the module with the knowledge and the tools to really first know to how to recognize it and then know how to tackle it. That's very, let's say, ambitious program and a very nuanced one. And it goes quite deep because you're going into employee training, perhaps also employer training to really appreciate the problem and also make very concrete interventions to help people change. 
when I was doing a little bit of research on this, there were always topics on sexual harassment in the workplace. And that is well covered. In fact, there's an official definition floating out there by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunities Commission that has a clear definition of sexual harassment, which is much to do with unwelcome sexual advances or requests for sexual favors and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature constitutes sexual harassment. It creates a very unsafe environment for the individual. That's quite an explicit definition. But when you talk about everyday sexism, it seems like these behaviors, and especially on the area of the benevolent sexism, as you called it, doesn't sound to be as overt as this. So it's a question that I have. So is everyday sexism the same as sexual harassment? And how do we help companies recognize the issue and establish policy around this problem? So it's not exactly the same. We found in our study that 50% of women globally are concerned about sexual harassment. So it's still very much a concern, even as I said in the post-Me Too era. But casual sexism or everyday sexism can, if left unchecked, can lead to sexual harassment because it leads to the notion that maybe some form of harassment are okay and can then lead to worse behaviors. Look, it's great that now for many, many years, companies through their HR policies and cause of business principles have been tackling sexual harassment. What we are trying to do is to broaden the topic and also draw attention to that more insidious form of sexism that is still very pervasive in the workplace and which still undermines women's self-confidence and can eventually contribute to limiting their potential and impact into the workplace. With the everyday sexism that we're trying to bring attention to, it's more about allowing women to flourish in the workplace and not really be undermined or lack self-confidence because of the microaggressions that they may be facing on a regular basis. So that's at the more extreme end of the negative behavioral spectrum. And then going to the other end is the more insidious, seemingly innocent, but actually also corrosive effect of what we had called benevolent sexism in the everyday sexism behaviors. And I am very fascinated by this topic and of course very affected because it makes me reflect on what am I doing in the workplace? What behavior should I be conscious of? But it reminds me of also one of the frameworks that we use in behavioral science, which is the COMBI model or a model of understanding and also influencing behavior by understanding the capability, opportunity, and motivation that underlie the problematic behavior. So one of them you had already spoken about, which is capability, particularly the understanding of people about what is everyday sexism. And I think what, what your program in terms of providing examples of this creates or enables that psychological capability to recognize and understand. Well, is that the intent? Yes. And if you allow me to precise how we see everyday sexism in this continuum that you talked about, I think for us, we see it more as a pyramid where everyday sexism is at the bottom. It's all these problematic statements, microaggressions I've talked about, sometimes misogynistic humor, little sexist comments and gestures. Then the next level 
which is already the one where we see policy happening is the gender-based harassment and discrimination, which is all the unwelcome sexual advances, etc., and the discriminatory policies that are in place and how new practices are trying to tackle them. And then at the very top, is the least socially acceptable form, which leads to gender-based violence. So you can see this pyramid where everyday sexism is at the bottom, and if left unchecked, it can escalate quickly to gender-based harassment and discrimination. And so, yes, for us, where we're trying to position a module is at this everyday sexism level, and it's really about building capability and really first allowing people to recognize what it is because it's sometimes so ingrained in the culture of the country or the company that even the victims of the perpetrators may not even know that they're doing it. So I think it's about spotting and giving examples of what is everyday sexism and how to recognize it. And then it's about really equipping people with the tools on how to respond to it when they spot it. Either as someone who receives the sexist judgments and remarks, or as uh, someone who is the bystander and witnesses some of these instances, or even, of course, for the person who may have been a perpetrator without even realizing it. So that's really the core of what we're trying to do. Yes. It's very holistic in its approach, because on the one hand, you do work very diligently on capability building, on helping people recognize it, both in terms of three people. First of all, the people who are subject to it, that they may not realize that that's everyday sexism. The bystanders who observe it to say, hey, that's how you should recognize it. And also people who may inadvertently enact the behavior without realizing it. And also you're providing them the capability in terms of how to respond. But I think also based on what you've said is that because you're working at an everyday level, you're actually working on it from a social opportunity or a social norm point of view, that you're calling it out, that this should not be normal, that this should not be acceptable in your specific organizational culture. So I really find that fascinating about your program. I will ask one hard question though, motivation. That's the third one of Combi. When people design behavior change, they normally work on motivation first. And in this case, the motivation of the, I'll put it in quotes, the perpetrator or the actor who is the source of the everyday sexism. How does your program address that from a motivation point of view? Now, that's a very, very good question and indeed the hard question. Yes, it's a tough one, I know. I think we really believe that in a lot of cases, as I said, people are not necessarily aware of what they're doing. So I think once people understand, oh, what I'm doing is wrong, or it makes people feel inadequate, or it undermines people, some people do it deliberately. And let's be honest, those people do exist. But I think there's a lot of people that think it's just harmless and don't really realize what they're doing and the consequences that it can have. So we believe that once they're confronted with that, they may want to change because most people are not really trying to go and undermine their colleagues every day in, in the office. We think that is going to provide some motivation. And of course, 
partnering with the organization and the HR department and policy and with the leaders of the organization to call out these behaviors as being toxic behaviors or behaviors that are not going to be tolerated in the workplace, I think will provide additional motivation to the perpetrators. That's what really impresses me about the Lux Alliance program, that from the very beginning, you are neither blaming the victim nor blaming a quote-unquote perpetrator who may not be consciously enacting the behavior. And you're working first and foremost at awareness building, capability building, recognize it, and this is how you respond to it, both as a recipient and potentially an actor of the behavior and an observer of the behavior. So capability building as a cornerstone is great, and how that then builds into culture and labeling what is acceptable in our organizational culture and what is not acceptable, and laddering that up to policy, and therefore impact motivation through the lens of capability and opportunity or social opportunity in this case. I really find that approach quite refreshing. It's almost like very what the best behavioral scientists recommend rather than working on motivation first. The expert who's helped us develop this program will be very happy to hear your compliments on this because we obviously had to really leverage some expertise to develop this program. We couldn't do it on our own as a brand. And so it's great to hear this validation in terms of the approach. Of course, Rory always talks about this also in terms of government policy for behavior change. Because many times when governments want to change behavior, it's they work on motivation and they have two levers for motivation, either punishment, and it's usually punishment first, or reward. Those are the key levers for working on motivation. Either you punish the behavior, make the punishment stricter, or you increase a reward for good behavior. But in this case, you have not spoken on those two points. You've spoken about capability building, capacity building, and then also really calling out and developing the organizational culture to say what is acceptable, what is not acceptable in the organization. That's really, really great about the Lux program? I think it's also because that's the nature of the brand. The brand is all about empowering women. It's about inspiring people. We're not about finger pointing at anyone. It's all about lifting women up and not really putting anyone down. And that's why I think we were wanting to have this positive capability building approach rather than anything else. So what are the plans for 2023, if you could share? What activities will we see from the brand in the coming year? First of all, the program we just talked about, the Lux Allies program, is only a pilot at this point. We're piloting it in Unilever in Singapore to start with, and also in partnership with our agency, Wonderman Thompson, in APAC. And so we first want to learn from this pilot and see if there's any changes, adaptations that we need to do to the program based on the response that we get. And following that initial pilot, we hope that we can roll this out to more markets and starting with Egypt, which has been our partner market with which we've developed a lot of the work initially. Yeah, so that's what we're hoping to do in 2023. We also have another type of behavior change program that we're going to start in South Africa with Sonke Gender Justice, which is a South African-based nonprofit organization, which really tries to 
make women and men work together to advocate for greater gender justice and gender transformation in that country. What we found in that country is that one of the biggest form of sexism is as women have to fight is street harassment, which is very prevalent. One of the things that we're going to try and put in place with Sonke is community programs which include men and boys into the conversation so that they understand that catcalling and harassing is not right. It's not a way to appreciate a woman. It really is not something that should be celebrated and encouraged, but on the contrary, it's something that shouldn't be tolerated. So that's the kind of work that we're just getting started working with them, and we hope to be able to uh, to start deploying next year in South Africa. So slightly different, not the workplace per se, but a different area that's very important for South African women. It's very inspiring to see the brand and yourself being extremely passionate and committed to this, implementing your programs in uh, different countries and also at different scales, from the workplace scale to the broader societal scale as well. It's really quite ambitious and very inspiring for me to hear this. Would you like to add anything else as a final comment to our listeners, Sabrine? First of all, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the work that we do on Lux. I think beyond these programs that we do on the ground, either in the workplace or in the community, like in the Sonke example I just gave away, I think a lot of our work revolves in our everyday communication, more about calling out instances of sexism and making people aware of it, inspiring women to find the strength to ignore that sexism and really empower them to be themselves, to be their authentic self so that they can really flourish in every aspect of their lives. And yeah, really a pleasure to talk about this today. It's not every day that we get the opportunity to talk about behavior change. As you said, it's highly ambitious, but we're not doing that alone. And we're hoping through programs like the Lux Allies, which is free of access for anybody, that we can spread the word and get more people to pick up some of this work and roll it out together with us. I really want to say thank you very much, Severine. This has been a fascinating conversation. And thank you for joining us today and sharing with us the inspiring work that you are doing to help fight everyday sexism through the Lux Allies program and everything that Lux has been doing also in this area. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. And to our listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to the show today, make sure to subscribe and be on the lookout for new episodes wherever you find your podcasts. And while you're at it, please rate the show and leave a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Paolo Mercado, and this has been Nudge Talk Asia from Ogilvy Consulting. <laughs>